Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about yelling at your television until the writers pair up your favorite couple. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're going to be game-storming CW The Show The Game, James's new TV show writing game. So, the very cheap champagne is poured, and we are gathered here to uh, record our very first episode of year two of Stop, Hack, and Roll. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, the champagne could be described as technically bubbling. Yep. Uh, but it popped, and that's good. Yep. So, yeah, uh, we... We've been doing this for a year now. This is our 27th episode. Uh, and big change is coming. Yep. Because uh, uh, there is actually a change that we wanted, that we talked about, that we want to say out loud and kind okay. of really put into place. When we put together the podcast initially, we talked about two concepts, uh, game storming and brainstorming. That's right. I forgot what we were talking about for a second. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is a big change that's mm-hmm. coming. Mm-hmm. And we want to make that much more explicit. In order to keep us honest about what sorts of topics we're doing. Yeah. So this had come out of when we, one of the first times, <laughs> so one of the first times when we sat down to start thinking about what episodes we should do yeah. after we had started doing the podcast for like three or four months, mm-hmm. uh, um, we, I looked back at some of the episodes we had done and I, and I sort of said they roughly, and then some of the ideas we had and that they had roughly fallen into two categories of, of, of episodes, Ge- episodes where we were sort of broadly talking about concepts of game design things like where you play things like uh using time differently yeah hacking your prep Mm -hmm. audience Um, mem uh audience participation yep and 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 for those those were sort of our bigger picture episodes where we were talking about a concept we were exploring how we thought you could do that it was a little bit more off the cuff um and 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 we kind of came out of it with ideas and things we could go forward to try, but no explicitly, like we weren't sitting down talking about dice probabilities. And some of those led into game ideas, yeah. like CW, the show, the game. <laughs> yeah. Which is today's episode. Yeah. We had started in the last episode talking about audience participation, and that sort of led us into a rough idea of how you could do a television show type game. And so then the naturally following that, today we're going to be talking about the other stuff. Uh, maybe actually making this game because I had done some work on it. Right. And so then that that's that other category of the game storms where Which we're is, yeah. legitimately sitting down to write a game. Uh, we've done that with Pasión de las Pasiones. We did some of that with Luchador Aton. We did some of that with, as of yet, unnamed Academia game. Yeah. Um, um, Ice Road Truckers, Race of, Engine. Yeah. And so we, we kind of liked the idea that 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 for some people they're coming to the show because they want to hear about concepts they want to hear about things to try out to, because some of what we like doing is thinking about games in different ways and so there are those brainstorming episodes for those people and for the people who are sort of more into the sort of nitty gritty game design we'll have episodes for those people and there's going to be some overlap between them but we just kind of Absolutely. want to call out a little bit more what it is we're doing yeah the framework for each episode which that gives us a little bit more Focus and yeah. direction for and, ourselves. And, and that maybe broadly they would tick tock back and forth and we would do right. one of each every month. 
not necessarily as connected as the audience participation episode and then this one. Right. But sometimes maybe. And the nice thing about that is that means that we can more or less predict that by the end of this year of Stop, Pack, and Roll, we'll have 12 products or things that are approaching being products that we can point to. Yeah, at least in progress. Yeah. Although actually some of those will we we will be revisiting for mm-hmm. game storms and things like that. Uh so that's the first kind of big piece of news. Mm-hmm. The second big piece of news is a Pasión de las Pasiones update. Uh I have officially signed a contract with Magpie Games and can now make the and can now make the announcement that the Ashcan for Pasión de las Pasiones will be created under Bagpie Games. Nice. I'm very excited to be working with them. They are my very favorite game company. Yeah. It's, it's such an honor. This has been kind of a long time in the making of putting the pieces together, getting contract stuff figured out, but we are now on track for the Ashcan. Nice. Which means I'm hoping at very, very latest, you'll be able to find it at conventions near you at Metatopia 2017. Nice. At latest. Hopefully before then. Yeah. Well... Cheers to that. Thank you very much. So yeah, so we're coming back to sit down to t- today. Um, almost two weeks now. Um, no, it's been a week and a half mm-hmm. uh, since the week since we last sat down to talk about audience participation. Yes, and I have gone off on my own and I have done some thinking about what kind of structure that I think this game should look like. I've also done some thinking, okay, but it's primarily been just kind of like excitedly bouncing in my chair. That's good. It's, it's really been I've been handling the audience fan side of this. That's good because I'm very that's excited. Some of what I don't have yet. Oh, perfect. Um, and so so I had sort of so stepping back uh, and reminding people who may have been uh, have not listened to a single stop back and roll episode. And right, starting now. This might be your first episode. In which case, so, I'm sorry for the last ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, so we had talked last episode about, uh, questioning, questioning the fundamentals of game design. Yes. Uh, in, in, in as many ways as I could, because it's sort of just a game design. It's a, it's a thing that I do as a philosophy major. I question everything. And it's maybe the theme of 2017. Yeah. Question everything. Yeah. So many games are just, uh, this is in this game, you solve problems and and resolve issues mechanically with dice this way and in this game you do the same thing but with this with these different dice that have different probabilities right you're or you're a maybe, group of of strong people that get together to solve problems using yeah. violence by rolling dice or not solving well, vi- or not violence but all of the problems are solved by yeah. rolling dice or maybe you're drawing cards but fundamentally you're using some kind of random number generator to solve problems right and i said could you do not that Yes. And we talked about it, and you should go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. And one of the things we sort of explored in that episode was, could you could you sort of subvert the concept that pen and paper games are not a a, a, a spectator sport? Right. Um, and we talked about games where you people watch online, or p- obviously there are actual play podcasts that people listen to. Uh, but could you play a game in person where people are watching, and could you interact with those people in such a way that they were the resolution mechanic of some sort. Right, because I think a lot of people, they hear uh, role-playing games as a spectator sport, and they picture the group of nerds sitting in a local game store yeah. with like a crowd of people around that came in for magic cards but are now interested in the uh, dwarven accent happening. Yeah, and and so we had sort of stumbled backwards into this 
sort of television show design game. Um, I've obviously had issues by ninth level games uh, in my head, which is a game about creating comic book arcs, story yes. arcs, which I'm and, so excited for. And and this sort of takes a lot of inspiration from that in terms of the player roles, um, because spoilers going forward, I'm also thinking about uh, how people interact with games and do they play characters and could you have them not play characters? And we're going to be doing a whole episode on that. <laughs> Probably. Definitely. And so what I had started to sort of gestate in my brain was that the players are playing members of the crew for a television show. Right. And that as the the actual sort of game play is mirrors sort of the, it's it's sort of a duality it is one in one way it is the the crew of the show talking and brainstorming ideas for the show yeah but in, in another way it is also the sh- the actual episodes of the show being aired to an audience right and that you would have a producer character who sort of fill or, or a, a player playing a producer who sort of fills them the gm role yeah and that then you would have writers and directors and cinematographers and casting directors and all these other people and that they would have spheres of influence so that as you're moving through the story, they are taking over and interjecting their own concepts and designs and that you then you have an audience of people who are watching and interacting in some way. I like it kind of as a way to condense story gaming. I was listening to an episode of Discern Realities, which is a gauntlet podcast from Jason Cordova and David Lafreniere. And Jason was talking about how he likes to now, with games, get really into the idea at the beginning of where do you want to see this game go? And they're talking about Dungeon World. Yeah. So, like, that is such a heresy to go into a a dungeon crawl and say, hey, where does this end? Like, at the beginning, that's Mm -hmm. wild. And so I think this is almost like the next, that next step of saying... What if we don't focus on just this one story and instead we're hitting potentially four, five, six stories in a single night? There's no reason you couldn't crank through a couple of episodes. And so I've been in sort of brainstorming sessions where people sat down and talk about movies or TV shows where either uh, as both a as both a, a crew member of right. people actually talking about designing the movie that they're working on or the television show that we were producing. Um or as as a, a group of, of like film students talking about, ah, oh, we should make a TV show like this, and it would be like this, and then like obviously the person who specializes in in costuming will be like, oh, and we'll have to have these kinds of costumes, and then the director will say, and we'll do these kinds of things, and we'll have this kind of action sequences, and this motif, and this is the story we're telling, and, and just everyone just trying to make Riverdale, yeah, the single greatest piece of television I, I, sure. ever sure. created. Um, and so I kind of wanted to rep- recreate that. Yeah. And and so I sat down and I wrote down and I talked to some people on our Discord and I racked my brain for some interesting things. Uh, and I came up with a list of roles. Okay. And for I, now, we're calling this game, for now, because this is probably not a name that can stick around, mm-hmm. uh, CW the show, the game. Yeah. And, and it isn't necessarily CW. What we were going for was... That, that it's it's really easy when you're doing this kind of game to play into tropes and and sort of stereotypes of television. And not and to say CW, that the CW and, does that. And CW but, does an excellent job. But they job do an excellent job of playing to and changing tropey. Like, yeah, like if if there's anyone in the world that loves tropes more than I do, 
it's the people that run the CW. Yeah. So and that is not an insult. I love tropes. So I wanted to, so I wanted to run through and, and so I wanted to run through today all the different roles that I've set up. Okay. And an ants ask and answer three questions for each of them. Okay. Because those are that's sort of what I started working on. And I How have some organized. questions for these. I know. And so the questions were what does only this role do? What okay. are, what is the thing that they are responsible for that every time this thing comes up they are the one who gets to establish that fact. Right. So like you couldn't have so like uh the costumer is the The costumer example. is the so best every example. Every time a character enters a scene, the costumer gets to say this is what they're wearing. Right. Everyone else like be damned. They get to overrule everyone right. on that. And then the second one is, what are things that that role will quarrel with other people about? Oh, cool. So where is there some overlap? Okay. And so obviously that's like, both the cinematographer and the director will probably get to describe some of the action in the scenes. Okay, cool. The... Um, the director will have, and maybe the writers will have some ideas about what the, the people should look like, the actors should look like. Right. But the casting director is the person who gets to decide those things. Okay. And then hypothetically, the producer will have a lot of conflict with everybody because they're sort of the bigger the picture guy. person. Oh. <laughs> and, and then the third question is, how does that role solve problems? And, okay. and again, that is all, how does that person turn to the audience to, to, to deal with the issue? And okay, so if they have excellent. a conf, because again, I'm, I'm coming back to, to audience as the resolution mechanic. And like right. the obvious, one of the obvious solutions to this is like the producer wants to do thing, like wants to have mandates. Like they want to, yeah. they want to issue lar- big picture guidelines right and at, between episodes they'll be pulled and the way they they talk to the audience is they pull the audience for ratings did people like the show did they not like that episode okay and then they get to take that criticism and go to the writers and say next time do this differently because when you do this people don't like it okay so i think we just go through all the different roles perfect um that yeah. was that was an episode format that we use for pasio de las pasiones mm-hmm. that i thought was going to flop and a couple people yep. seem to like it so, and so a year for now from now, from now i will be releasing the ashcan of this game yeah exactly um and so real quick for those people and, and and i had sort of i've also broken down these roles because i do have one two three four five six seven okay and so maybe seven is too big for a group and i've 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 sort of we're gonna go through them in 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 order of things you absolutely must have to things that you could sort of break it down well i think you could also potentially have uh, like overlap, like someone playing two roles. And also, I've and I've done and I've done some of the opposite. I've thought about if you have multiple people playing each of these roles, could they break down into like a producer and an executive producer and right. a line producer? And I want to play the producer that just puts my name on the project and then doesn't actually do anything. <laughs> then, <laughs> All right, so, so I'll, I'll sit in the corner and just yeah. have lots of money. So, um. So obviously we'll start with the producer. There is a producer, uh, that is sort of like the GM. Okay, but in in that they are maybe taking more on more of the roles of moving the game forward. Okay, uh, but not explicitly. Okay, and they're definitely still a player. So wait, let's let's quick. Can we just quickly break down the roles of the GM? Because the role of a GM in general is to keep the game going and to provide conflict. Mm-hmm. And so. And the so that's, game that's going, why I saw the producer as sort of the GM role. I agree completely. Because like the game going kind of goes on the structure of what it is to write a show. Yeah. 
and the conflict is going to happen because we're writing a story together. Yeah. So the producer's kind of facilitating those things and then also bouncing other things in. Yeah, and and there there is a lot of built-in conflict between the different roles. Perfect. Uh but but that is all sort of within the larger framework of the producer has has said we're doing this kind of show or we're doing this kind of right. thing for this season that we need to do a musical episode or we need to do this or X, Y and Z. Now you go solve that problem. And then in solving that problem, the different roles will will interact. Genies and, for like the fourth time, because that was any good in any of the previous episodes yeah. looking at you, Supernatural. <laughs> so I just want to run through the list of roles so you can have them in your head as you're thinking about this project going forward. OK, I won't interrupt this. time. And they are the producer, the writer, the director, the cinematographer, the casting director, the costumer, and the scenic designer slash location scout. Okay. I will have to come up with a better word for that. Right now, immediately I'm wondering if the costumer and the casting director is the same person. Maybe. Okay. Um, there's some different things there, though. Okay. Like, so... this We're in a situation that you know much more about <laughs> all of this movie TV stuff than yeah. I do, because I know nothing about it. Okay, so... I actually so running through I think we can run through producer really quickly the the things that so can we can we first touch upon what kind of the structure overall structure of the game is so the overall structure that as I see it that the the producer is sort of the one who is in the the, the structure they are enforcing is that you are a group of people who are making a television show you're sitting down to talk through it and like I said it is both you brainstorming and also the actual like going through the actions of the show right because the audience is there watching yeah like basically as someone says something is going to happen it's happening yeah and then if someone says no no we're doing it like this yeah then it just didn't happen that way it happened Mm -hmm. the second way and so within the framework and this is kind of where there's some some wiggle room here okay within the that that framework um is designed to be a television show I think you could do this as a movie or a okay. franchise of movies. Uh, that might be a, a different setting, but it's designed to be a television show and with with sort of upbeats and downbeats between episodes. Okay. Because sort of the core circular um, gameplay thing. Yes. Uh, the thing is such the, a descriptive word. The structure of the game, yeah, the, the gameplay, flow of the game. The gameplay structure is you talk about an episode. We've been doing this for a year. We're professionals. You you talk about the episode. The audience listens. The producer turns to the audience between the episodes and says, how did you like that? And then they thumbs up, thumbs down. The producer counts. Maybe they ask some other questions. And definitely they ask some other questions. I think they should. And then they turn back to the to the other other staff and they say here's what worked here's what didn't do this next time um you were doing this but don't uh retcon this fact bring this character back from the dead go right and in the interest of keeping the in the interest of looking at how big a group might be you might also be in a situation that all of the players that are in their writing managerial roles are also the audience you just go like, okay, we're audience now. Yeah. Like in kind of like a night, which is night and day Maybe. thing, but like with entirely different characters. Maybe. I had not sort of thought that the that the writers or the staff would bounce back and forth. Well, I'm just thinking just in terms of like the average size of an RPG group. I was assuming that this was not going to be played with an average size of an RPG oh, group. Oh, okay. Because I want there to be a dedicated, the five to seven people who are playing the staff roles. Okay. Is that sort of core typical group and then 
everyone else is the audience. Right. Although I think you should also potentially rotate people in. You could do that, yeah. I think that could work well. Um, and so, so to answer the question, what are things that only the producer does? Right. Only the producer gets ratings. They are the only person who, between episodes, says, did you like this, to the audience, did you like this episode, do you not like this episode? Okay. Gets to ask questions, and then gets to issue mandates, saying, try to save money, don't do, like, big special effects, or you don't get any special effects this 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 episode. Um, this actor... Th- I don't like fire them. The Figure out how they're not going to the live genie. there. Yeah, these characters yeah. need to get together, and those could be things like the the producer turns to the the crowd and says, "Which couple do you like the best?" Right, and then turns back to the writers and says, "Make this happen." Okay, and so that's what they do. Um, and and again, they kind of have. I'm I'm trying to come up with one or two things that they do exclusively. Okay. Um, and then what would the producer do that where where they will quarrel with other people? Um, like almost everything pretty much everything because um, ideally you'd have the producer saying things and the writer arguing that it's not going to happen and then the producer saying yeah. it's going to happen or i'm gonna um, get a new writer they get to sort of decide the larger artistic or the larger sort of um story direction that the show is going in okay and so they will butt heads with pretty much everyone about that okay and then and this is a thing that I don't quite have a solution to yet, that the core thing that in the real world producers argue with other people with is how much money they are spending. Right. So right now, the game doesn't have a money mechanic. Okay. But it might need to at okay. some point. If it did, um, I the, the sort of the mechanic I had been toying with was something like the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yeah. Where everyone has a certain number of coins. Okay. And that they can sort of pass those around yeah as a budget well i mean at that point you could also have the producer saying like the producer could be someone who butts in and says that's expensive Mm -hmm. and then that means it costs one of the coins from the thing to do and then they can either keep you under the budget Mm -hmm. by just not telling you that things are expensive and so like that kind of says what level of production you're doing if you're hbo versus Mm -hmm. uh pbs yeah uh but they could say like that's very expensive yeah and then you've got the people having to trade the stuff and so i don't i don't know if i want to go in with with a a full money system but okay but it might just be them saying i've decided that this is expensive because i'm the gm character ish uh and so i've decided this is expensive try to do it again yeah or that didn't work or whatever okay um another thing i think that could be useful for them to do is provide incentive to move quickly onto the next scene yeah. in the show. Mm-hmm. So having things like, like, look, this episode needs to air. We need to get this thing done. And then they can have like a brief argument with the yeah. producer about how they're, this is an artistic process. And then they can get back to work at it quickly. Sort of from a, from a story point of view, doing that. And then from a practical point of view, keeping the game moving quickly. Exactly. Because this is the game that, this is a game that will shine when people are pitching in conversation is going back and forth and it is moving forward this game should be loud in my mind and if it stalls it will really stall yeah and the producer is there to say to be to do that rulings not rules thing of when people can't decide how to do it the producer goes darn it do it this way and i could even see coming in and going like hey we got ricky martin for this episode Mm -hmm. and that like midway through an episode exactly like midway through an episode to come in and say hey we got ricky martin yeah and then a scramble of new stuff it's it's kind of like the gm tip of uh when when something stalls make an explosion 
that you can that any time mm-hmm. the players are not doing something, you blow something up and then they'll run towards the explosion. Yeah. So and then the thing that they can do, the way that they interact and solve problems, mm-hmm. the leverage they have over the other players is that between episodes, they get to turn to the audience, as I've said in the past, and say, do you did you like this? Do you like this character? Who are your favorite pairings? Uh, all these things that like when if you were taking a poll about a television show. Right. And so they can then turn back to the staff and say, you should do this because the, the audience likes this or yeah. the ratings left this episode. We're down. We need to get them back up this episode. So let's spice it up and get in a get in a special person or something. Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of that. Um, moving forward to the... I want to do the writer and director okay. at the same time. Okay. Because there's a line somewhere that's a little bit blurry. Okay. And the so the idea for me is that the person playing the director and the person playing the writer are sort of the ones maybe talking the most. It's funny because when you had originally pitched this, I pictured several writers. Yeah. I, I, I think I was picturing the writer's scenes in 30 Rock. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the director doesn't it's even come how into I it in my it. mind. And and so the way that I broke it down is okay. the director is the person who chooses actions, that, uh, or who, who describes actions, what is going on. They're the ones sort of telling the story physically. Okay. And it is sort of a verbal, nonverbal thing. The okay. writer, The thing that the writer does that nobody else can do is speak as the characters. Okay. If the characters are speaking in the scene... The writer is the person who is saying that dialogue. Okay. And they may have conversations themselves. They may, like, deputize another member of the staff to say, have a conversation with me. Right. And then if they don't like what the person said, say, go back, do it this way, though. And then have that conversation again. Could they also say, like, and then these two characters have a fraught conversation where they talk about their relationship. Yes. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, yeah, blah move it on. hand wave over those things. Okay. But they are designing designing the conversations, and okay. the director is designing the actions. They are okay. doing blo- like in what in the real world would be blocking actions, movements. Um, they and where they will butt heads is that obviously the writer in the right in the real world the writer is doing all of this, and then the director is interpreting it. Right, but we're having it happen live. Live. So the the way the place. So this is jumps into the second question of where who will they butt heads with? Okay, and the director and the writer will definitely butt heads the most with each other. And then next most with the producer. Okay. So so can we just like just for like a second mm-hmm. hop into this? Sure. Um so like if we're if we're doing a superhero thing and I'm I'm the writer, I'm saying, uh, so Windshear comes through this portal and he's surrounded by goons. Yeah. And you're the director and you say I'll say, so he comes through and he's surrounded by goons and he looks at the first one on the right and says Uh I've got nothing, actually. Uh, and then, so no, it's good. Ha- it's so it's an awkward no- moment. So he's it's got like, nothing. It's, it's awkward. awkward like um, Joss Whedon sort and, of feel to it. And the first it. one of the group starts attacking him, and he's and they're fighting and they're punching, and he he isn't using his superpowers yet because these are just the grunts. Right, he's but, fighting the but, goons. But after a minute, he like, and they all do that thing where they they all like pile on top of him, and then he like stands up and throws them off to the side, and the, and he looks up, beautiful, and he, and he love makes it. Eye contact with the big bad guy who enters the room and says, "You think." That you can come through time and you're in charge of things. And Winshear just immediately goes, come through time? And then we've got the great Beluka coming on, jumping from the top. No, 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 but he's got to, he can't come from the top, though. He's got to come from the side. 
Uh, I, because I, I really feel like it's important for him to come from the top. Because if you remember, three scenes back, he's up with his girlfriend in the building. Uh, but he's coming through a secret tunnel that the hero doesn't know about. Okay, yeah, yeah. He does the tunnel. He does the tunnel. So he's coming up from from this tunnel, and that's and that's, and that's so, how it goes. So okay. that's kind of how that scene would flow. Would flow. Yeah. That that was maybe my worst <laughs> writing of that's all fine. time. That's fine. And then and so then there will be other people who will inject interject into the into that scene, as right? It, and it will get complicated, right? Because at any moment, as soon as he comes in. And there's a gang there. The yeah. costumer is saying, "Here's what they this all is what like. they look like." And then, like when, and and we'll, we'll get to this eventually. But when the oh, bag, when the big bad guy comes in, the the casting director will say, "And and the bad guy looks like this." It's this Jason is what Statham. The, it's Jason Statham. And then the costumer will say, "And he's wearing tights." And the producer will come in and say, <laughs> "No, it's not we Jason can't Statham. Get it's Will Smith." Smith. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so something like that. Yeah, perfect. Um, and and so so the dire- and so that's where they'll butt heads. Um, and and then so then. This is maybe where I don't have an. This is where I get. I don't have too much of a of an audience interaction with these people. Okay. Um, I got the rough sense that with the writer, they will either during the scene or between scenes talk to audience members. Okay. And try to convince them to pitch, or to to swing one way or the other about a concept to the producer. Okay. To try to get the producer on their side. I, I have so. You know that my 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 thing with audience on Pasiones Pasiones is a live in the moment thing mm-hmm. rather than an in phases. I was thinking about live tweeting. Yes. Well that that was definitely my my thought. I don't know where you're going with this, but my thought with the writer was that definitely what the writer is doing is trying to get the audience members to tweet at different staff members. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Like the writer is is trying to encourage that kind of like big moments of tweeting. Mm-hmm. Um and like maybe is having little like miniature Twitter conversation asides. Yeah. Cause like, I want this to be like, in my mind, this it's is just chaos. chaos. They're like, you're in the middle of describing the skin scene and someone says, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. And the writer says, no, it totally does. And this is why <laughs> in 140 characters yeah. or less. And then immediately has to get back into the action. Yeah. And, and so that, I think having Twitter conversations is basically the way I think writers interact with, with the audience. I kind of think so. I've seen a lot of that. I've been in a couple and of also them. And I've, also, I've seen, um, I've seen writers do things like when, for example, Chuck wasn't doing really well. Okay. They tried to get uh, everyone to tweet and social media stuff at the producers of Chuck to save the show. And right. I like that kind of like, I want this character, like I love writing dialogue for this character. So everybody tweet at the producers and say that you love the character and, and hashtag I'll, six seasons in a movie. Yeah. And get them to save a character. Yeah. Uh, oh, and establish so hashtags good. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what it is. is trending hashtags. Yeah. And so then for the director, I don't have a thing for how they interact, interact. Presumably, they are they're describing actions. They're describing what the scenes look like. Yeah, they are maybe they're they're probably the way they interact with other play with the other staff members is they are saying we need a scene that's in a beach. Find us a beach. To yeah, the cat to the the scout the scenic scout. Okay, and saying find me a beach. Describe what the, the beach sounds what the, what the what the beach looks like. Yeah, and then the scenic director describes what the beach sounds. I keep saying sounds like what the beach looks like, and then they move from the scene there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um and so and so that's kind of how they would interact with other people where they okay. would butt heads would would be maybe that they could I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to what they do yet. How in terms of the director or yeah, in the director. I feel like the director is someone who could get 
into a lot of fights all the time. Potentially. Yeah, that seems and like a really maybe isn't role. necessarily. I don't know. So I, and uh, and I think the writer is getting into conflict if you have more than one writer. Yeah. If you've got three writers and all of them are shouting over each other. Yeah. Like that's gold. Yeah. But even if they're not, if there's not more than one writer, if they're they're having conflicts with the producer wants to kill right. this character, the director thinks it's it's cool if this character looks weak in this scene. Yeah. Um the cinematographer is always lighting the character this way or uh, or like they're describing action sequences this way. Yeah. Uh, um and I don't think that fits the character as I'm writing their words and sort of like that. Yeah. So we might have to come back at the end after I, because I, I want to just for the sake of moving quickly. Yeah, I want to go through all these. The things producer comes in and he's saying we've got thirty eight minutes in. For a lot of these, I've done the. I've asked the question, what do they? What do only they do, and who do they quarrel yeah. with? And I don't have the the audience interaction quite okay. yet. Okay, so we can come back at the end and work on that. Um, the casting director is the next one that okay. I think is the most the next most important. Yeah. Um, and, and we had sort of, sort of what I said was every time a new, the thing that they do is every time a new character is introduced, they describe the actor they hired. Okay. They give the actor a name. They give the actor a name and they describe the actor, uh, physically what they're maybe, maybe say some things about what they, what their past was. Yeah. Um, and then once we sort of gotten into the show, they may say like, uh, this actor like they, they they settled into this role and they put on some weight, or oh. they they they've really they've really been like working out and watching their eating. They came back this season real hot. Chet Buckworth doesn't dance. And he, so, he he doesn't dance. That's that this scene yeah. cannot happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in his contract. Yeah. Uh, and so that much like the interaction that I, I sort of described between the scenic the scout the scenic scout and the director, yeah. the director or the producer or the writer may say, "We need a new hero, or we need okay. a, we need a new villain. Bring me yeah. a new villain." And the person should be like this, yeah. And it needs to be it needs to be a lady. They should be tall and scary yeah. because that's that's the, like the character we're looking for for this new villain, right? And then the casting director can think for a second and say, "Here's the character I found." And yeah. It's a short bald dude. I know yeah. you asked for a tall, scary lady, but it's a short bald dude. <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> Hear me out. It's, it's, <laughs> he's it's great. All, love or, or even just, it's all, it's, it's the only person who auditioned. Yeah. So we had to cast them. And right. that's the way they can sort of like be antagonistic and throw wrenches and things. Yeah. Because maybe if you don't like the writer a whole lot, you can only give the writer characters that you, or actors that you don't like. I could also see the possibility of really playing with things where the actors are making absurd demands. Mm-hmm. Like the casting director coming in and saying like, Look, I just talked with Emily. She says no leather. Mm-hmm. She's done with leather. She's not going to do anymore. Yeah. Or like, hey, uh, Bill just got uh, just got a singing gig. Yeah, and so he, he wants to sing this, this episode. No, or, he wants oh, to he sing wants this to sing episode. Um, or or uh, this this X Y and Z character got cast in a movie, so they can only be in two scenes this episode. This season. Yeah, exactly. So choose which two scenes. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so they're, they're yeah, Good they're luck. sort of they're sort of representing the 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 actors in that. Yeah. Both in casting them and then keeping up. To I like them. that. Um, that seems like a potentially hard role, but I think a very fun yeah, role. Yeah, and, and and like there is a, definitely a dynamic, and w- this is where I may need to break the writer role up into multiple roles, right. where the writer and the director are the ones who are doing the majority of the talking. Yeah. And then it is the responsibility of the other roles to sort of bust in and say, this is the thing that only I do, so you yeah. don't get to do it. I, I almost wonder if that means that those side roles are the audience. In small groups. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't I really want this. like the I idea of it being totally separate. Yeah, I just want to be sure everyone has enough of a job to do. Yeah. yeah. And that might have to do with rotating roles and stuff like that. It could it could be that, yeah. Yeah. Um so I can hear your bird friends. Yeah. It's nice. 
um, casting director. So then again, the uh, the places that they will interact with other people, uh, besides trying to screw over the writer and director <laughs> by casting people who don't fit what they look like at all, um, they might butt heads with the with the producer. But when they say, "And I've hired Jason Statham," yeah. and the the producer says, "We can't afford Jason Statham," <laughs> and they go, "I've found Tony, who is a Jason Statham lookalike, um, and he's not as good though." Yeah, and so they may have some interactions with that. Nice. Um, and then how do they solve problems? I don't really have an answer for. Maybe they, maybe they can, maybe the answer to that is when they need to cast a new character, if they are looking for, uh, if they're throwing out a big name actor who's right. a real world person, yeah. they get to say like, eh, can we get this person, do you think? Yeah. And if they are trying to cast an unknown, maybe they turn to the audience and hold a casting session. Okay. And the audience describes different people and their oh, backgrounds. Oh, that's cool. And that's how we can bring I the like audience that. in. I like that a lot. I um, want the audience to be really active in it. Yeah. So moving on. So obviously you've that's introduced cool. a new... I'm, I, I'm I super like, into that, actually. You, <laughs> I do. I like that. That was a good breakthrough. Yeah. That's what I was hoping we were going to come through here. Game storming. Um, and this is why we have this structure. Yep. And so moving... So sort of uh, the, the writer or director has said we need a new bad guy. The casting director has gone out and done a casting session and found... Yeah. A new person, maybe even if they were casting big name people, they could still say, I need to cast this role, turn to the audience, and the audience can throw out names of big actors. Yeah. Um, or, like, the audience can toss out, any audience member can either give a description whatever, yeah. or throw out a name. Yeah. And if they throw out a name, the producer is going to be going, that's expensive. But ultimately, the casting director is the person who gets to decide yes. some of that. So once we've established that there is a new character and yeah. for the first time, and there is an actor now, and then you have the costumer. The costumer gets to describe what everyone is wearing. So I watch a lot of CW shows. I think you are underestimating how often the costumer gets to say things. Okay, that's fair. Because <laughs> I've been watching Jane the Virgin, mm-hmm. and every scene that Petra is in, she's in a different awesome outfit. Yeah. And so I like that. For these like super tropey shows, yeah, the clothes they're wearing, even if it's not a superhero costume show, right? Uh, they are they're wearing interesting big scene. Uh, James, what do you think that Jane the Virgin is a superhero show? <laughs> no, no, I'm saying even if you're not talking about okay, a, okay. a show that is like The Flash or okay. Arrow, where the characters are superheroes. I just wanted to like, be sure. Even in something like Jane the Virgin, where it isn't a superhero show, where they have yeah. an iconic costume, oh, the yeah. clothing is still relevant and 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 may trip up i like the idea that the the characters could say the director could say uh we're doing this scene it's gonna look like this and here's where we're gonna go and the and the costumer can say and this character is wearing uh tight leather clothing yeah and then the director has to go um they were gonna like jump around and run and fight people and stuff uh <laughs> why did you put them in le- tight leather and the clothing designer goes well, this looks freaking awesome and it's in their contract and they wanted it and, and i think it looks good i and, i've made this decision like deal you with know it. what really we can't it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna fly um and oh, yes so they'll get some they'll have some conflict there perfect um and I don't have a I don't have an I don't have an interaction with the audience for them either. It could be very similar to they might pull a member of the audience aside and say, "Here are three costumes that I'm thinking about. Which of these do you like the most?" I almost just want the audience to be like shouting out response to the costumes. Mm-hmm. Because like realistically, that's kind of what it is. Like when you when you're watching Yeah, that's what Twitter is. Yeah, like when you're when you're watching like when you're watching Riverdale, for example, and you're like, Cheryl is killing it. 
you're saying Cheryl's killing it because of the costuming. Yeah, so they're interacting with the audience sort of by listening to what the audience is yelling. Yeah, it's almost like like, <laughs> like you're hearing a lot of like, yas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that there's there's an aspect of we've, we've maybe talked about but haven't played uh, Captain Sonar. I don't think I've Are even you familiar heard with Captain, Captain Sonar? Sonar? So Captain Sonar is a board game that I really want to play. And you'll see how we get to how this relates in a moment. Yeah, I'm the, real confounded right now. The way that right this now. works is you play with a barrier between you. And it's a designed for eight people. There are four roles and you are playing battle subs. Oh, is this Artemis the board game? Sort of. Okay. And so you have, a, you have like the captain, you have the sonar person, and you have all these different roles like the engineer. And and they are all doing different things, and it, it's it's you're making moves, and you're okay. moving around the board, and it's all real time. You move as fast as you can perform those actions. Okay, as fast as the captain can say, move north two like, squares, like and Legends then, of the Hidden Temple, the game, that game with yeah. the dice rolling. Yeah, and that one of the things that the sonar person does is the sonar Boo. person's job. <laughs> no, 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 no. they are not doing the bleeps and sweeps. Um, I really feel like they go boop. Um, They are listening to what the crew on the other side of the table is doing and trying to look at a map and go, well, the captain of that team just said go north. But but I didn't catch the second part of that move because my captain is yelling at my engineer over there. And I'm trying to. It's so good. And so I. I like that some of some of everybody's roles in this game are listening to the things that the audience are maybe yelling at them. Just try to keep up with Twitter. And trying to keep up with Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's good. Um and that maybe some people are trying to <laughs> to keep up more than others. Yeah. Because like also like during because of the way that it's set up during an episode, if you're hearing everybody shouting Betty and Veronica, then you stick them together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh because it's live, because you get that opportunity to mm-hmm. do so. So then you have the scene. P.S. OTP. Yeah. Sure. I need to watch that show. I know you do. You need to. I'm dying. I need to talk about it with people. Um, so then you have a scenic designer slash location scout. Okay. I will probably have to come up with a unified name. Okay. But the idea there is that the location scout in, in, a, in a film production crew is the person who goes out and finds the like practical locations. Right. And the scenic designer is the person who is designing a set if they are okay. building it. Um, I don't know if we're going to really need to distinguish between those. That feels like one role to me. It does. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It feels yeah. like one role. Um, if we were going to introduce a that's that's one of those roles where it's definitely one person. Yeah. If we have more people, maybe you break it in half. Okay. But probably not. If you, I'll have, be honest. I'd rather have a, another writer than yeah, split that role. Yeah. yeah. The, the 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 scenic designer is definitely lower on my hierarchy. Yeah. It's definitely important. It's definitely something that the cinematographer or the director or the producer could do on the side. Yeah. Um, and the thing the designer, the scenic designer does is describe scenes. Okay. So like the, like I said in the example earlier, the director might say, we need to do a scene on a beach. And yeah. the scenic designer describes a beach. Yeah. And so they are sort of, every time we enter a scene, the director or the writer might be describing what's going to go on in that scene. Okay. And the 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 scenic designer or scout is the person who is describing what the world looks like. Okay. In the way that a GM might in a regular game. Right. But, they're, but they are exclusively, like the thing that only they do is describe the way the world looks. Yeah. And the way that they will butt heads is... Obviously, if they try to find real locations or build extravagant sets, then 
then whether or not there is an actual financial system in this game or not, the producer yeah. will say that's too expensive. We can't actually film in a real volcano. Yeah. So it's going to be some cardboard and Chet some... is not going to the volcano. Yeah. And, and the casting director <laughs> my, might say... My I, people I like... are, are not <laughs> accepting this. Yeah. Linda doesn't like horses, so we're not yeah. doing the scene on the horse farm. Yeah. Or she's not going. Yeah. Um, and so they're going to butt heads with people like that. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of everybody being super antagonistic except yeah. for the writer. Yeah. Who's just going like, wait, Linda won't do horses? Okay. <laughs> Linda's not in the scene. Ugh. Yeah. Um, or the director really wants them to be in the scene anyway. And then the, when they describe what's going on, the, the writer has to sort of sell that the actor doesn't really like what they're doing there and they're just running through their lines and they're just, <laughs> you, yeah, I need to get out of here. You could also toss in like, loose cannon actors that come yeah. in to be there themselves yeah that's the worst it's the worst idea um and so i <laughs> also like again <laughs> this this is a game of just people undermining each other yeah exactly i love the idea of the director says i need to do a scene on a beach it's going to be the scenic love scene yeah and, and the scenic center goes all right well i found this parking lot yeah <laughs> and it is technically adjacent <laughs> to water <laughs> <laughs> um, it's cheap. It was available. It's out. It's off the highway, so it'll be pretty quiet. <laughs> the scenic but designer just sitting there we, going it's, it's room occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and then the scenic designer and the producer agree. It's all we could afford, so we're doing it. It's perfect. You're gonna love it. Yeah. It's right next to the water. Yeah. And it's close to this. It's close it's to where close the, to the it's close to the set. <laughs> so we don't have to drive that far. We can bring yeah. the catering over. Perfect. Exactly. Um. And <laughs> the most important role, craft services. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Part. Um, it's the unspoken heroes. I knew a thing yeah. about TV making. Um, and so I know. Again, I don't. I, I don't know how this this person interacts with the uh, the audience. Although maybe again we can have quick interstitial scenes where like. I initially imagined that the majority of the gameplay here would be the episodes. Yeah. And that the breaks between the episodes would be quick things. Yeah. Where the producer pulls the audience for for the ratings and then we yeah. move back into the next scene immediately. But the more that we sort of go through this, the more I'm thinking maybe we need scene interstitial scenes that where the director says, here's the next couple episodes. I think we're going to need these people. Um casting director find me some people who do this and okay. then the casting director does their thing the director says we're going to do a scene in space and we're going to need a scene on a beach and we're going yeah. to need a scene in a parking garage find me those things yeah and then maybe the the casting or the the, the um the scenic designer or location scout turns around and talks to some members of the audience and says right who has a scene that or who has a location that they own that looks like this yeah or like how can I how can I do this? And the most important thing I think for this game to really shine, I think it has to be quick. It has to yeah, be yeah, yeah, like yeah. lightning fast. It needs to move. Yeah. Um and so that brings us to the final role, which is the cinematographer. Okay. And and the cinematographer again is gonna be there there I think that they're a more minor role. Okay. Obviously, like the cinematographer is the closest to my heart because that was what I had thought about doing with my life. Okay. But but I think for the purposes of this game, they are definitely one of they the more minor. They make a podcast. Role. They make. Um, they are the person who is describing camera actions. Okay. And I think in the for the purposes of giving them more things, larger action sequences. If there are okay. special effects, if there are. Oh, I can see if there that. There are sort of special effects, visual it, things going yeah. on. I've got a smoke guy. He can do a great thing with this yeah. piece. And so 
Um, and so the director will say, we're doing the beach love scene. It's just followed the big fight scene. Right. And it's, and the cinematographer says, and as you, and, and so we've, we've prepped this set, the set with just, I've got a smoke guy. It's great. We covered everything in smoke. Uh, you can't see the beach anymore, but there's so much smoke. <laughs> as um, get out. And we're, and we're washing everything in red. Yeah. It's going to be because, awesome. You know, You're going to love, love it. Love. Yeah, love. love is in the air. And I want everyone to see that love is in the air. So there's, I filled the air with smoke and we've bathed it in red. And you've got the producer kicking the door to go and <laughs> yeah. like, this looks like hell. Um, or... This is the same effect we used three seasons ago when they died. Yeah, alter and so they, and anytime that that somebody needs to explicitly reference the fact that this is a show, yeah. there's visual effects or that the camera is doing this sort of move. Yeah. They may interject like we're gonna have a still shot here, we're gonna have okay. a, a camera, like we're gonna have a pan here, or this is a dolly shot or this is a boom shot from way far away. Uh, we'll bring in a drone shot to open this scene. I'm a little worried. That that might be one that takes a lot of knowledge. Yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to do that part. Yeah. Yes, that's true. The cinematographer is one that I need to work on. Okay. I I, uh, I was going to say, I feel like I think a lot of this feels really, really solid. I feel like this needs maybe a little bit of... I think that tweaking. bringing in a lot more of the visuals and calling them more of a visual effects person yeah. um, lets you have them take the responsibility of... Describing big action sequences. Yeah. Um, that I could do for and days. And describing uh, what the spaceship render looks like. Do yeah. we have enough money to afford the good visual effects guys? Or does it look no. like uh, like old school 70s Star Wars where there's just like a spaceship on a, on a string? You mean ideal and perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... And so I think that th- I think I need to find a name for that. Okay. But I think that that's where that's going. Yeah. And again, they'll be butting heads with the director and the writer and and maybe depending on everything else, the the casting director, maybe they always shoot the one actor from behind and the actor is not happy with that anymore or they're they've yeah. decided the you casting <laughs> Frankly, Jerry wants to be recorded from behind more. He's very <laughs> happy with his butt. Or like the um, the the producer has decided that they don't have enough money to do a proper yeah. Green Lantern costume. And so the costumer has <laughs> so come to the VFX person and said, it. I can't make a costume that's going to look good. So you're going to have to do it all in post. And yeah. then they have to describe that the actor is like, well, because they spend uncomfortable. They spend they, all the money on getting Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And uh, and he's going to talk about this later on a future movie. So those are the roles. Okay. I think the f- I think you've missed a major role. Okay. Uh, that's that's good. Um, I mean, it's not good, but what do you think I've missed? I think you've missed the audience. I think the okay. audience is not just the leftover people. Yes. I think they need their own job. Okay. And honestly, I kind of like the idea of the audience being a wild hubbub. Mm-hmm. And it is everybody. Even if you've got six people that are doing the different roles or seven people that are doing the different roles, mm-hmm. there's no reason that when the producer turns and says, audience, give me this information, that the writers couldn't also be the audience in that second. Uh, because I think I feel like that needs to be something that people are just like calling things out. And I would want to see not just the core producer asking questions in like mm-hmm. a focus group way, but also like... What media is coming from this? Because I feel like a lot of what okay. makes modern TV kind of interesting mm-hmm. is Tumblr. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I really want a player to step forward and say, yes, 
I wrote a fanfic. Yeah. About Betty and Veronica. There's a key. And this is what it's about. There's a key part of this game that I discovered halfway through. Yeah. Which is that essentially, even though everyone has roles. Yeah. The the tension between the different people playing the game. Yeah. Is everyone wants to talk as much as possible. Yeah. I I feel like that's honestly what it is. If you can be like, I wrote this fan fiction and here's what my fan fiction is about. And then go into extreme detail explaining what your fan fan fiction is about. Then that's beautiful because you've taken control of the game for a while. My favorite moment in TV history, bar none, like this isn't a thing that I could even consider. This is just, I will probably die with this being my favorite moment. Okay. Is... Community did an episode where they paired together characters using a specific, I think it was Sarah McLaughlin song. <laughs> and the reason that they did that is because a fan had created a video <laughs> with that Sarah McLaughlin song oh, pairing great. two characters that they did didn't think were that. appropriate. It's incredible. We will link both that video from yeah, the fan and definitely. the episode in the show notes because it's worth watching. And so if a player comes forward and says, hey, guess what? Archie and Jughead's dad should be together, and this is why. Yeah. Then that should influence the show, because of course it does. Like, obviously in the real world, it influences the show like a season later, because they do everything kind of at once. But we're fudging time here. But we're fudging time here. And acting as though the audience really does interact with it in a hardcore way. Mm And so it should happen like that. It should be a thing that someone can just, that what the producer is saying and what the director is saying, what the writers are saying is just as valid and and important. And I think that where we can flow out of that is that, again, coming back to making things flow nicely and that the the producer playing a sort of antagonistic GM style role is that I've sort of, I I, I had, this is something I sort of came up with while we were talking about this. Um, and so I haven't thought it through super fully, so there may be some okay. ramifications here, but I like the idea that the, the producer could fire people yes. and pick a new person from the audience to replace them. Definitely. And so if you, if, if the episodes of the show have been going down in ratings yeah, because it's just getting ridiculous yeah. and so the producer isn't thrilled with how the writer is doing. But you're, there's a person in the audience who just went on a five-minute monologue about their fan fiction. <laughs> the producer might say, writer, you're fired. This guy, this guy you're in now. Yes. <laughs> you're the writer now. Your fan fiction can become reality. Yeah. I also think the producer should have a little list of, of specific questions to ask during the audience section. Mm-hmm. For example, hey, what's happening on the Reddit? Mm-hmm. Because every show has a Reddit. Yeah. What's happening on the Tumblr? Yeah. And like... We know that different social media communities interact with media differently. Yeah. And so when you are looking at the Tumblr, they're going to be saying things like, which characters are together? Which yeah. characters secretly love each other? Because that's that's that wonderful, loving, beautiful little community there. And then when you look at the Reddit, it's going to be like, hey, these are the secret hidden messages <laughs> yeah, that are within yeah. it that are saying yeah. things six episodes Here's from the broad now. timeline of everything that happened in Lost, and here's how I think the plot's going, because look, there's a polar bear here, and there's a gun here, and the polar bear's going to get the I gun. Broke and everything down. Here's line for line yeah. every single thing. Yeah. And so if you just ask the audience that, then you can just have people <laughs> shouting out, like, hey, I did an outline where I connected every single character and every line that they had with each other. Yeah. And then if it's like, okay. Every other, 
you look at every other word this character has said they've been slowly quoting a Shakespeare play. Yeah, exactly. So I think that they're going to do this in the next scene because they have to use these words. Yeah, and then you get to have that wonderful moment where the writer in the next scene is like, well, we've had him doing Shakespeare plays. So let's bring it into Macbeth and mm-hmm. keep moving along that train. Yeah. Uh, and also you can have things like, like Overwatch does, that they look at the fan works and bring it into the right. thing. And uh, I think a lot of fandoms do that too. Yeah. And also that is the check system that the producer has on mm-hmm. if, because again, you want you want it to be antagonistic, <laughs> but you don't want to be, you don't want to let the antagonism slow down the movement of the game. No, it's got to so be quick. If, if two characters or two staff members are becoming too antagonistic, the producer can fire one of them <laughs> and bring somebody else in. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's, I think that's how that goes. Okay. I can see that. Um, or maybe we should put in the rule that the producer can offer an ultimatum mm-hmm. to a player. Yeah. Well, rather think- than directly fire i I think think some of that is what the mandate is yeah they say you need to do this yeah like you guys need to settle this dispute figure out how to handle this now or one of these out out. yeah yeah um so am i not supposed to whistle i don't care okay that works um so that's where that's what i've got i've kind of got all these roles and i think we're starting to flesh out a lot more of what how the audience is interacting yeah i think you're right they need to become a larger player yeah i still really like the idea that they are separate they are separate, but they are involved. Yes. They, they have the, they, they are almost vying for the ability to come up on stage and be the players. Yeah. Well, I almost picture something of a ghost court style That's thing. what I've been imagining, yeah. Yeah, that like every couple of, of episodes you go, okay, time out, swap everybody. Yeah. And there's yeah. a thing that shows do. That's a thing that, 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 oh, yeah. that, that like um, Doctor Who is explicitly done. They've explicitly swapped out their actors, but they've also yeah. swapped out their their staff to keep it fresh and keep the writing new. Yeah, Aaron and I were watching, I can't even remember what show now, but we saw like the name of a podcaster that we love as the director for it. Nice. And we were super excited and like super pumped and going like, oh my gosh, we've been watching for eight episodes. We had no idea. (laughs) And then we realized this was the one episode. Yeah. Yeah. And, or you could do something like, um, ah, talking about Doctor Who reminded me of this. You could talk. You could bring on a guest director for an yeah. episode and say, "You are this guest director. You get to direct this episode." Go, audience. What are the things that this director always does? Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I like you that. get a Quentin Tarantino, and it's like this is about feet. <laughs> and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and again, this all comes back around to every time there is a consequent or every time there's a conflict yeah that fundamentally the action you do to resolve that conflict is either argue with each other in character or turn to the audience and ask the audience to solve the problem yeah and sometimes that's what the producer does in explicitly asking the audience to solve problems right by ratings and thumbs ups and stuff like that or it's what like the writer or the casting director might do where they're sort of asking the trying to get the audience on their side to tell the producer to tell their other person how to do it yeah absolutely I'm excited for this. I feel like the last half hour of this episode has been like listening at 1.5 speed because we've both been (laughs) excited and just jumping back and forth. That was maybe a little fast. So we're going to we're going to put a bunch of things in the show notes because I want I have a lot of this written down and I'm going to go back and update this document. And so I'll create a little thing that is just each role, a summary of what they're sort of responsible for. What are the things that only they can do? Yeah. What are the things where they over like I've explicitly written some overlap between the director and the writer? So what can they both sort of do? Because they're going to both trying to be writing some of the action. 
Okay. And then where to sort of lay out what are the key tensions? Like the, the casting director is not gonna super argue with like the cinematographer too much, right? Because they don't overlap too much. Um, but this the casting director will argue with the producer a lot. And Reddit has already put together a web that shows all of the different interactions that these yeah. parts have. And yeah. and so I'll, I'll write that whole up, that whole thing up. I sort of I laid out a, a, a sort of a um a list of like you sh- you definitely can't play this game without a producer yeah <laughs> you have to have a producer you yeah. probably have to have a writer and a director and then and so on and so on and yeah if you have this many people although if you're talking about having an audience you probably have enough people for everything in my ideal world there are several writers on every episode mm-hmm. even if those right i would rather have writers doubled up on parts yeah. Then have only one writer. Yeah, I think you may I mean, that's, need that to might, have two writers. That might just be my personal preference because I, I'm a huge fan of 30 Rock. I hadn't thought about that, like what we did earlier. Yeah. Or what we were talking about earlier, where if the right if the writer is the person who's doing all of the dialogue, if yeah. they're actually speaking, literally speaking the words, yeah. and they want to have a conversation, they're going to have to have that conversation with themselves. Unless yeah. there is at least one other writer to have to be the other voice. And ideally, in order to take a little bit more of the characters in the show away from any one single person. Yeah. You'd have multiple writers, more than two, so it isn't just a dialogue. You've got this romantic, beautiful scene happening with five different people calling out lines. Yeah. And like, you know, the director going like, love it, taking it. Yes, that one. Nope. Swap it. Yeah. And that's where you could almost have, uh, you could have like three or four writers. That's what I want. And limit it to only two per episode. Yeah. And then when you're, if you're a writer, you might go sit in the audience for a little while. You're yeah. still a writer. You're not really, I mean, you're part of the audience. You're answering those questions. Yeah. But you're not taking on the sort of spontaneous roles of like a person who has a house or because you're still yeah. you. You're still the character of the writer that you're playing. Fair. But you're, you're maybe you're allowed to tweet. You're allowed to yell things. Yeah. You're allowed to answer polls. And then next you're allowed to you undermine the on. other writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you're at the heckle. Yeah. <laughs> and I, so I think that's I think that's good. I think a rotating a sort of hotter seat game with rotating roles okay. is is good. So James, please raise your hand and repeat after me. I've raised my hand. This is an audio. This is an audio uh, medium. Yeah. They can't see. I James. I James. Do solemnly swear. Do solemnly swear. Upon this podcast and related properties. Upon this podcast and related properties. To bring this game. To bring this game. To Metatopia. To Metatopia. 2017. 2017. And hold it and cherish it. No. Um, <laughs> maybe. I think I will try. Yes, I really I want to. I've already talked about bringing other games to Metatopia. Those I have to games say, are smaller and I like this one better. This is the game that I'm most excited about that you've brought. Yeah. And like, I know that it's kind of the biggest of the games. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a possibility that once we get the things together, it'll be great. Yeah. I'm picturing, like, in terms of character sheets, I'm picturing each player having just a list of things they're in charge of. It's definitely a game that fits on playing cards. Definitely. Because or, it's you have a card that says, this is your role, here's what you do, here's what only you can, the, the things, those questions. Yeah. Here's only what you can do, here's who you might butt heads with over what things, and, and how do you solve problems. Maybe on the other side of the card, just like when you're in a bad mood, mm-hmm. and it tells you how to mess with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then you just have people messing yeah, I like with that. each other. I like that one side of the card tells you what you do, and the other side tells you what you do <laughs> to mess with other people. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm really excited about this game, and I and can't wait to see it. And that way, you can hand those cards around as the people move out of those roles. Exactly. 
yeah, very like easy that. to swap it out. So I will definitely work for that. Work on that. I think awesome. it's. I think it's. I think that because it is sort of a light improv sort of style yeah. game, I think it won't take that much writing. Yeah, I need to work on getting a sort of sentence long pitch for 140 characters pitch for every role. Yeah, uh, so that you can convey that quickly. Yeah, let I I this is something that realistically we can get to Metatopia. No question. I think so. Yeah. yeah. If nothing else. As a, as a discussion to talk about how people think about it. But You're I think we can... absolutely wrong. We will get this to Metatopia. All, right. All right. You solemnly... You did solemnly, did solemnly swear. swear. You didn't tell me where I was going with it, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I didn't promise you ahead of time that I was going to. So, <laughs> as, as the audience participation part of this podcast, if you would like to talk to us about this game... Um, that is something that we definitely are interested in. I clearly have some holes that I haven't figured out yet. Right. We finished the episode section, and so mm-hmm. now we're into the audience moment. Yes. So hit us up on Twitter. Tell us what you think about this episode. Uh, think about tell us what you want to see in the game. Think about anything I've obviously missed. If you're, I, it's been a little while since I did any film stuff. If I've critically missed something, definitely let me know. You can tweet at both of us at Stop Hack and Roll. You can tweet at me specifically at and the meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. Uh, we have a website at http colon slash slash www.stopbackandroll.com. And I always word it that way whenever possible because it makes James cringe really hard. And I'm antagonistic. Uh, and on today. that website, you can find uh, you can find links to all the games we're working on. You can find links or to some of the games we're working on. You can find links to all the episodes. Go through our backlog. Listen to a year's worth of content. Um, and you can email us at either James or Brandon at stopbackandroll.com. We have this wonderful community of game makers now going on at uh, discord.stophackandroll.com. Yep. It's pretty active. We pretty much always have some kind of a conversation going on, and I'm trying very hard to get back into GMing on a regular basis on there. Yep. We've had some really cool conversations. I mean, we don't. it's not always game-related, but we play video games. We have, it's because it's Discord, so it's got audio chat built in. Uh, it's generally a good time. Well, like when the 200 word RPG contest was going on, there Everyone. were like seven or eight different games that were being posted about constantly in the Discord. There's just it's just such wonderful people. Yeah, it is great to have a a it is great to have a touchstone. And yeah, that, uh, it is what makes Metatopia great because it, yeah. it is a it is a convention that is primarily um, visited by people who have game design in mind. Yeah. But it doesn't happen more than once a year. And so I'm not saying that our Discord and our podcast are the Metatopia of podcasts. <laughs> but it but is I a community of people who have game design on the mind, who listen to our podcast, who are writing their own games. And so I've seen a lot of people come and say, here's the thing I'm working on. What do you guys think? And then you'll get really good critical com- um, advice on how to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I just remembered we also have another uh, Twitter account to follow our silent co-host uh-huh. uh dinobot <laughs> who is at shr dinobot constantly writing games and putting Which up ideas a... for games <laughs> dinobot <laughs> is a a bot that we have in the discord channel who says hello to people when they join and brandon has taken it too far <laughs> i've taken it way too far uh they now have a twitter and post way too often <laughs> We make this podcast with the support of Patreon backers like Blake Ryan, Randy Lubin, V. Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Ryan, Rob Abrazado, Rob Harvey, Troy Pitchelman, 
Riverhouse Games, Nick Clark, Robert Kosick, and Stephen Mitchell. If you'd like to help support this show and all future shows uh, that we produce, check us out on patreon.com slash stophackandroll. Um, this is our second year. We're starting to think about other shows. I know that you're pretty close to starting a new show as soon as you get some free time. The moment that I figure out how to record the video that I need for this show, mm-hmm. it's going to be live. Yeah, working out some technical issues. So come to the Discord if you know how to stream video on Twitch. Uh, yes, <laughs> we I have some I, questions. <laughs> I have a Chromebook and a phone, and I'd like to record a thing with two views. But we're, we're pretty close to a couple new shows. Uh, and so... Uh, th- that wouldn't even be possible for us to consider without this, without the the financial support of these of these lovely Patreon backers. Yeah, it's it, been truly amazing. Thank you so much. If you don't have the money or can't find it in your budget or for whatever reason, um, there are a lot of other ways you can support us. Tell your friends about us. Get people listening. That's the biggest one. Come join the community. We love talking to people. That's rewarding in itself. Uh, go rate us on iTunes. Um, we don't have a ton of ratings, but that helps get our podcast out there. So if you search for game design podcast right now, stop hack and roll probably doesn't show up, but <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, we're a little low on the list and we're okay with that. But yeah, those reviews also are just like so wonderful for us. Warm to and read. fuzzies. Yeah. We, James gets warms and fuzzies. I get warms and fuzzies and like holding back tears at the enthusiasm of you wonderful people. So thank you. Yeah. If you are sitting around the table arguing with your no 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 you're not sitting around the table you're at a bar you're at a bar yes it's a very nice bar it's a it's it's brightly lit it's dimly lit dimly lit right uh so you're sitting there you're in slacks right you're in a button-down shirt yep uh do we have budget for the leather jacket Mm, vest vest you're in leather vest leather vest leather gloves yes of course uh, and you're pursuing a love interest that had mm-hmm. never previously been established in the show, but the audience is demanding it. Yeah. Don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. No, but let me tell you, if you are bald, you can just go into any situation and take over. I don't have any evidence in my life that says that's not true. <laughs> I have a lot of evidence in my life that says it is. We started talking about audience precipitation. Uh, 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 when audience members yeah, when are just falling from the sky. Uh,